I'm Dr. April Jasper, and I'm pleased to host today's podcast and continue my conversation with Dr. Amanda Nanasi on how we can master the conversation around presbyopia and multifocal contact lenses. Amanda, welcome. Thanks, April. I am looking forward to talking with you some more about multifocals. So today we're going to discuss when to start the discussion around presbyopia, who can start it, and best practices regarding how to describe presbyopia, as well as the available correction options. This podcast is sponsored by Alcon, and Dr. Nanasi has received compensation for her participation. Amanda, it's great to have you back. I, I you know, really want to start by talking about what I consider is the first step to multifocal success for our practice and our patients, and that is the value of our conversations with patients. You know, my first question for you is regarding the timing of that conversation. Do you think it's important to start the conversation about presbyopia early? Absolutely. I feel like I'm doing my best job as a doctor if I can educate my patients about what's going to happen before it even starts to happen to them. You know, I, I say, you know, we're, we're getting closer to 40, so there's some things that we might expect to happen. And that way, when they do start to, to actually happen to them, rather than having that, that normal frustration or confusion and feeling like they, they don't have answers or maybe even just coming up with, oh, this is probably just happening because of X, Y, or Z, they'll say, oh, man, you know, this is what Dr. Nancy was talking about, and they'll know to come to me because I have a solution for them. What do you think, Amanda, is one of the reasons why it's so important to start that presbyopia discussion early? Well, we have such uh, intensive near vision demands and intermediate demands nowadays. So a lot of times if people are using computers, let's just say for long hours, they're more likely to have that fatigue associated with pre-presbyopia before they even get to the point where they have that actual blur. So just because we have patients that are going to experience those symptoms sooner, it's that much more important for us to have that discussion sooner. And do you think that presbyopia is well understood by our patients? Not at all. <laughs> I think you'd probably agree with me that they all come in with um, excuses of, you know, what's happening and why. And uh, it, it's never because something's happening because they're, they're 40. Uh, it, it's always something else, right? It is. It's, it's interesting that it's very emotional for some of our patients. I know it was for me. And for me, you know, knowing what was coming, it's interesting that it still was uh, so bothersome. And I think it makes it easier now for me to have that conversation. But, you know, like you, I don't wait for patients to ask about it. I want to start talking about it early because I find that it also helps to set expectations. Do you think that that makes a difference in your practice as well? I do. And um, sometimes you don't want to ask them the questions that maybe they they are hoping that they don't have a certain answer to, you know, if I say, is it blurry up close? Do you feel like you need to pull your arm farther away? Maybe I just say, you know, have you uh, noticed any changes in your vision or have you been trouble, you know, looking at your phone or are your eyes getting more tired? Things like that. The other thing I often think about is the ability for patients to adapt to multifocal contact lenses. Do you find that it's different for different stages of presbyopia? Oh, yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, 
just like when you're adapting to a pair of, of glasses, you know, when people just keep waiting and waiting and waiting to do a progressive, they have that giant ad power at the bottom, which is such a, a big change from their distance prescription, where if you have someone that's just, you know, a, a low power uh, multifocal, it's a really easy adapt. And we, we have a lot of great success with even the, the mid and the high adapts, but I have no problem putting, you know, an emetrope even that has early signs of presbyopia into a low ad. And, and I know that I'll have great success with that. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Here you go. What questions <laughs> do, do you find impactful in helping patients before and after symptoms emerge? So I'm, I'm kind of asking you to Pretend I'm your patient and uh, you are starting that conversation to prepare me before symptoms happen. What does that sound like? So some of the questions that I was already kind of mentioning are they're kind of my go to's. You know, I'll say we know that we've gotten your distance vision in a really great place and it has been for years. Are you starting to notice any change when you do a lot of near work or do you feel like you have to pull things a little bit farther away than you did before? Um, you know, and just kind of probing and you can typically tell by their reaction on their face, you know, whether or not I kind of hit the nail on the head or not. And do you find that the conversation about your eye being like a camera still is of value or do you have a different conversation you use with your patients? I do. I, I love that example. Um, and you know, I, I always say that, you know, our camera's been working our whole life and, you know, right around 40, the camera doesn't want to work as well. And I, I'm typically, I feel like more often than not, I have myopes in my chair that are really confused because they say, you know, I've always been able to see up close without any problems. Distance has just been the problem. And then you say, well, have you tried, you know, if you take off your glasses or your contacts then, and they're like, then I can see up close. And it's like, they think I'm a magician because I know that. And that's where you really have to dig in and explain how that that camera um, isn't focusing for them anymore. And it, it it's, doesn't take long to explain, but they're they're so appreciative of just understanding what's happening. So then you start the conversation next about multifocal contact lenses. Do you find that one is more challenging and do you feel like it's impactful to go ahead and have that conversation with them as soon as you mention presbyopia? I do think that it's helpful and I will typically use that opportunity, even if it's a patient that's never worn contacts before to say, okay, we have new options now for, for what's going on with our vision situation. So, and it's, it's different, you know, if they've been wearing, if they've been wearing glasses before, or maybe they've never worn glasses their whole life. And I have to say, okay, when you just go to read up close, you might need to put on glasses or you know, you might need a special type of glasses, or then you would maybe have to have a pair of distance contacts that you put readers over the top of. And, you know, I feel like I explain those things and they're kind of like, ugh, like, ugh, like none of these sound like great ideas. Or if you want to be able to see well distance and up close and not have to wear readers or maybe not even wear glasses at all, we have another option and that's where we go into the multifocal contacts. And, and a lot of times, like I said, we capture patients that have never even worn contact lenses before and it's just to stay out of the readers. So, you know, one of the things I've read and I, I practice in my office is uh, really taking advantage of the tone of your voice as well. 
Do you find that patients react to the way you express yourself in the tone of your voice, such as, you know, being excited about opportunity, being concerned about problems? I mean, do you use that as well? I, I hear it, by the way. I hear it in your voice now. <laughs> it's so funny. I've never even thought about that before. And I was like, well, I, I guess my patients like it or they wouldn't keep coming back to me because I do tend to get excited about new solutions that I have for them. And and I usually do kind of slow down a little bit when I talk about things that are changing, but then, you know, pet back up when I tell them that we have ways to fix it and it, it doesn't have to impact their life. And that's, that's their main concern. You know, like you said, it's an emotional change. It's, um, it impedes their normal, you know, process of their day. And if I can keep that from happening, it's a success for me and for the patient. So that kind of brings us to, you, you mentioned it just then. You said it doesn't impact their life if we give them options that will help them through the things they normally do. So now let's talk a little bit about the flexibility and lifestyle benefits of multifocal contacts. How do you bring that up to patients? Uh, just by talking about how easy it is, really. And uh, I think a lot of doctors, when they when they consider moving a patient into contact lenses, even though we've discussed it before, you know, it's not glasses or contacts. It's really easy to have somebody that's even a part-time wear that might want to wear their glasses at work during the day, but then they have that option of wearing their multifocals when they go out at night. And uh, it, it gives patients more flexibility, more options. Uh, it lets them know that I appreciate the fact that, you know, they, they care about their appearance and as well as the function of the solution that I'm giving them. And uh, like I said, it, it opens a lot of new doors for contact lens wearers when you have that presbyopic patient in your chair. Do you find that part-time wear ever leads to full-time wear in your patients? Absolutely. Absolutely. And even when I have someone that is hesitant about wearing contacts and it's a maybe a first-time glasses wearer as well, uh, I'll say, you know, I, I we'll start with the glasses. And, you know, once you feel like you need them more often, you say, man, I really do see better with these, but I'm using them all the time. Then you can come back and we can discuss the contact lenses and always leave that as an option for them. I remember you left me with a great example after an event one time of a question that you asked patients, which was, are there times or activities when you would prefer not to wear your glasses? And, you know, sometimes people will answer that question to me by saying, absolutely, you know, it'd be great to wear them when I work out, like you said, or <laughs> for an athletic event. And then next thing you know, they come in and they tell you, oh, but I tur it turns out I wear them all the time. And, you know, I, I know that we know that when they leave, we know that's probably going to happen. And it's really fun when they come back and we see that it did create that life-changing experience for them. I agree. And, you know, we do this so often on a regular basis. It's, it's easy to forget what the patients know and what they don't know. And actually today uh, I was having this, a similar conversation with a patient and I said, you know, have you ever considered wearing contacts? And she's like, Oh no, I don't think I'd want anything in my eyes. Like what about when I'm working out and I get sweaty? I was like, well, that's actually a really common reason to wear contacts is you can work out without your glasses on. And she was like, really? Yeah. You know, so sometimes you have to ask more lifestyle-based questions about what a patient does during their day so you can really put it in context that 
you know, they can, they can see themselves wearing them and, and take into account that I know that you have a busy lifestyle and, you know, you're at the office and then you're at dinner and you're working out and you're with the kids and, and how I see that fitting into that picture. You know, you bring up a good point, and that is learning more about our patients is really what's going to make a difference and, and help us to be able to impact their lives. But it sometimes is a challenge as a doctor to do everything. So, Dr. Nanasi, sometimes I find that the conversation is easier for me when my entire team is engaged and involved. So have you created any practice-wide standards or protocols where everybody is on the same page or they have a process that they go through to help them with the conversation? There are resources that I use, and I wish I could actually take credit for creating them, but I did not create them. I'm just using the, uh, the multifocal toolkit as all of the resources for my staff. So I have the vision check-in tear pad for the front desk. I have the patient expectations tear sheet and the patient education brochures that my technicians are usually giving to the patients. That pop-up cubes, uh, the pop-up cube can sit in my reception area to kind of generate interest from the patients. And I can also use it for education. And then the fitting guide is also in that toolkit. And I, I have to tell you, if there's one big take home, if there are doctors listening to this that have not been fitting Alcon multifocals, you have to use the fit guide. And sometimes it's counterintuitive to what you think might work, but they put a lot of time and effort into making this, you know, a seamless process for us. And if you follow the fit guide, you will have the amazing results that we're having with these lenses. So, Amanda, another key element in my experience in this discussion is really in setting patient expectations. So what are some of the things you say to your patients to help set expectations for them with the end goal, of course, of success for them and for the practice? I like to talk about uh, expectations myself. Uh, I know a lot of people have the technicians go over uh, the patient education with them. But I like to, to sit and be excited with them and say, you're already seeing great with these lenses. And would you believe it's just going to get better the longer you wear them? That's why I had you walk around the optical for you know 10 minutes before we did the over-refraction, that second part, because it's just going to keep improving each day. And then by the time you see me next week, I expect it to be a lot better than it even is now. Uh, always talk about lighting situations, not just the obvious one that when they look up close, it's going to be helpful to have great lighting. But the opposite of that, when you go out into the bright sun, if you don't have sunglasses on, you won't be optimizing uh, that design of the lens. It can give you great distance vision as well. You just need to use your sunglasses. Um, there are a couple other checkpoints uh, that we typically talk about, but I feel like those are the, the really big differentiating ones with these lenses is uh, discussing the lighting and then also, you know, letting them know that if you have a problem, don't think it's a deal breaker. Don't think that I don't have more ways to make this lens even better up my sleeve. Don't give up because you say my distance is great, but you know what? My reading's just not good enough yet. I'm not going to go back. Know that there is a next step to this process and I'm here when you're ready for it. I love it. I mean, I can tell you the number of people and it happens quickly. The number of people that refer their friends, they are usually patients are most excited the day they are fit in lenses 
And so I find they leave the office before they're gone for even two hours. Someone's calling us back and saying, my friend so-and-so told me I needed to come see you. I want these lenses. So you're right. We can all do a better job. And I think it's a, a missed opportunity. So something for both of us to even do better. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, Amanda, we've talked about mastering the conversation around presbyopia and multifocal contacts. Two of the things we really haven't talked a little uh, a lot about yet. So let's talk a little bit about it now would be the discussion of diagnostic or trial contact lenses and rebates. So my question is, do you think that it matters to be able to talk about rebates? And then how do you have that conversation regarding diagnostic lenses and the rebates available to patients? So I, I love that you said diagnostics first off, because it's kind of a habit in our practice never to say trials. Um, we like to say that they're diagnostic lenses that the, the doctor has chosen for them. And um, Patients love the opportunity to go out and try them in the real world because I always say, you know, you might do great in my room, but unfortunately you're not reading a, a black and white chart all day and you're not in my great fluorescent lighting. So I want you to go out and do your regular day-to-day -day tasks and then let me know when you come back how you're doing with your vision and if we need to enhance it, if we need to change things, that's why we're here. And I think it gives them that extra value. It breaks down that barrier so they don't just feel like I'm trying to sell them something. I want to make sure that it's going to work for them. And then when they come back for that contact lens visit the next week, that's when we typically discuss the rebates in our practice. The other thing that I typically will point out is that the rebate uh, is only good for an annual supply, um, which it's, it's funny because I, I feel like people might feel a negative feeling about that, but it really just pushes them to get that year supply. Absolutely. So, Amanda, another key element in my experience in this discussion is in setting patient expectations. So how do you approach this with the end goal of success for you and your patient being in mind? How do you uh, really talk about patient expectations in, in this discussion of multifocals to create success for all of us? Uh, so I do like to use the handouts that they have um, to kind of be a, a checkpoint of did I talk about all the things I need to talk about. But I will typically talk about their expectations as far as distance versus reading demands, using lighting to their advantage. And I'm always kind of a big nerd and do the whole look at my pupil when I'm looking far away versus up close. And I tell them that good lighting is going to help them up close, but they need to make sure to wear their sunglasses when they go outside. And also talking about just the fact that when they first put their lenses in, it's as bad as it's going to be. It's going to only get better when you wear the lenses for five minutes, for a day, for a week, it's going to keep improving. And, and I can't wait to share that success story with them when they come back and tell me how they're doing. I love it. So in our last few minutes, what would you emphasize from our conversation that we've had tonight or anything else that uh, you can think of regarding how we should really think about presbyopia, multifocal lenses, all of these topics and mastering that conversation? Put yourself in the patient's shoes. You have to remember what it's like to know nothing about what they're experiencing. Experiencing. 
um, make sure that you consider the barriers that those that patient might see. And also think about what motivates patients when it comes to making decisions for, for what they would like to do as far as healthcare, what they would like to purchase, and know that they're thinking of function, cost, and there's that emotion that's also attached to it. And you need to be ready to address all of those different motivators so you can get a really great, confident decision. And you want your patient to be just as excited about this as you are. You know, it's funny. I had a patient early on when I started practicing that I remember trying to explain presbyopia to him. And I, I looked at him and he looked like he was just zoning off. And, and I said, are you okay? And he goes, honestly, I, I just totally lost track of whatever you were saying. I don't even care. Just tell me what to do. And that's what I want to do. And, <laughs> awesome. and it, I know it made me realize that every patient is different. Like you said, they all have different needs. And if we really watch and pay attention, we'll know when and where they need us to go into more detail when they don't. And then having our staff involved, like you said earlier, I think is is really important and teaching them what to say, because the last thing I want to do is start a conversation, go through the explanation, and then my team are talking about it completely different and worse yet, completely wrong. So I love that tip that you brought out as well. Anything else before we close? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just excited. And I hope that, you know, doctors get some ideas to go out and really change some lives in their practice. And once, once you, once you have the conversation, it gets easier and easier. And especially if you're not having the conversation often, it, it might even feel awkward. And doctors are always concerned about feeling like they're, they're selling something that the patient doesn't want. And they, they may just not know that they need this until you propose it to them. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Dr. Nanasi, for sharing your experiences in your practice. And thank you to Alcon for sponsoring this podcast.